Welcome to Let Go, Lean In, my podcast designed with transformational leaders like you in mind. I'm Lise Lewis, your transformational leadership coach. In each episode, you'll find help growing awareness of your mindset as a leader, be equipped with a tool to let go of unrealistic expectations and self-limiting beliefs that get in the way of your one precious life. My goal is for you to thrive as you lean in toward the leadership call God has put on your life. Join me and other leaders as we let go and lean in together. Well, welcome again to another episode of Let Go Lean In podcast. I'm very excited to introduce you to my new friend, Maura Barclay. Nice to see you again. I am so glad to see you again, too. Why we the best conversation? I'm just, I'd like, just keep them going. Just keep them yeah, going. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We, when we met before, for those of you that are listening, we just spent an hour just getting to know each other and the enthusiasm was off the charts. So be prepared to hear some great insights from Mara and just, uh, yeah, some wisdom. So here we go. I want to introduce you to her by reading her bio. So buckle up. <laughs> Mara Barclay is a neurofacilitation specialist, author and transformational leadership consultant who has worked for over a decade in the intuitive empowerment field with her book, Unbreakable Woman, Compassionate Self-Defense and Empowerment, which she presented across the nation for federal agencies, Fortune 500 companies, and the U.S. military. Her early career as a mind-body master instructor and teacher trainer contributed to the proven evidence-based methodology she employs in her transformational intensive programs for HNW individuals and effortless enrollment without selling program for transformational leadership coaches. I am so excited to have this conversation with you because transformational leadership is my jam and this is just going to be so fun. So again, welcome, Maura. Thank you for your time today. Thank you. I'm so excited. Let's get into it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I structure this pretty predictably with three questions that align with what I like to bring to my clients. Grow your awareness of yourself as a leader, of an area that you might need to adapt and change or learn about, whatever. Get the tools through equipping and then move into thriving. So we'll start with, if you don't mind recounting an early awareness that you had about yourself as a leader. I love this part. Yeah. Well, I think it, it bears mentioning that um, even though I didn't think of this when I was in consideration of, of the structure of this, uh, of this chat we were going to have today, I rem I'm having a recollection right now, so it must need to be said. Yeah. My mother said to me when I was in my 20s, you know, you were really imperious as a kid. And I'm like, what are you talking about? And she goes, you would just go into a room. And they were just like your subjects and you would just start organizing things. I'm like, did they, did the other kids put up with this? Cause I have no memory of this. And she's like, right. yeah, everybody just was like, all right, this makes sense. I'm like, well, okay. Uh, I, so that isn't actually my first recollection because I was not aware of that. My first recollection mm -hmm. of when I was given the seat of leadership. And I, I say the, that phrase very specifically yeah. because I believe leadership is something that is given 
even if you ascend to a managerial position in your work, there are people from whom they do not consider you a leader and they will begrudge you your leadership role, right? So it's right. definitely something that is given um, and it can be taken, hashtag fascism. Uh, <laughs> so like, we don't wanna do that. All right, so right. the first time I remember being given the, the role of leadership and I believe it was in second grade, first or second grade. And I remember this very vividly. Uh, I grew up in Michigan and it was just when the weather was starting to get nice, all the snow was starting to get melt, starting to melt. So we get to go outside without our jackets on. This is a big thrill when you're in first grade in Michigan. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, you know, the grass was really wet and it had that smell of like wet, you know, but not muddy. It was just this rich smell of fresh grass in the spring, wet, wet fresh grass. And we would go down to the basketball court during recess and all the girls would stand behind me and all the boys would line up. And I created this, this, uh, this game called countdown. And I would start at 10 and, and just randomly pick, I think one of the girls might actually pick one of the boys and we started to count down, but I would choose which direction we went like 10 this way or 10 this way, 10, nine, eight, seven, six, et cetera. And when we got to one, he would take off running like a bat out of hell and all the girls, we would go chasing after him. And then we would all kind of tackle him and like kiss his face. And <laughs> like, oh, like the horror, like any, any, if this were to happen on a playground in this day and age, the horror, right. It would make the newspapers. But back then we just thought it was hilarious. Yeah. And I don't know how I got put in charge. I don't know. I don't know how the whole thing went down, Right. but everybody just followed me. <laughs> like after oh, it's, it was magic. Yeah. Just magic. Yeah. I love that all the way back to seven. Cause that's typically the age of a second grader that awareness is there. And, and your mom's observation, I think is timely to insert that because some connection was there that whether you just said, Hey, I've got an idea or however it unfolded, there you were, everybody is ceding their power to you. And you at least didn't wield it in a way that was, you know, hurtful to anybody. It was more for fun. And Always. yeah. Yeah. And there was a consensus. I, I consider myself a, a collaborative alpha female. Like okay. I'm not interested if there's not consensus. Do you know what I mean? Like it's more fun uh, when everybody, even if we're all meeting in the, in the middle, we've all got, you know, on the outside of the circle, we all mm -hmm. have some differences, but the very inside of the circles, kind of like the big uh, Venn diagram, like as right. long as we have some consensus somewhere, then that feels really good. And um, it's also noteworthy to mention that there's some sort of authority that I carry that I wasn't aware of until very recently. And it, it's the kind of thing where I would be in a store like The Gap and in, invariably a woman would always a woman would come up and start asking me where things are. They just mm -hmm. presumed I worked there. This happened to me a great deal. Or I was walking up to a Whole Foods in LA when I lived in LA and this Persian woman came out because it's a very Persian part of town. And she was just beside herself. And she literally almost took me by the shoulders and was like, I don't understand. Like, is, what was her, her issue? She's, she says, oh, that's what it was. Is organic beef better for you? Like, I, I, she was just like trying to figure it out. And eventually we got to it. Eventually we figured it. I understood what was going on with her, but yeah. somehow she decided that I was the, you know, food and drug administration. I was, I mean, and, and the thing that, and I can tell you at first, I'm like, she came barreling at me. I mean, there's everybody in the parking lot. She was coming for me. 
It was as if we'd known each other. I'm like, what? So I remember taking my purse and put it behind my back because I did not know her. I was in LA. I'm like, is she going to grift me? What is happening? She no, had no. very clearly like trained in on me. Knew. And she knew that I was going to help her. And then once I realized, oh no, this is like a, a mom. And her doctor told her to stop eating meat because of her cholesterol. And because of the, the language barrier, uh. she went she went to the butcher and said, is grain fed healthier? Because she was trying, it was about the cholesterol. And I'm like, oh, no, you shouldn't eat that either. Because <laughs> it's not about what you're feeding the cows. It's the fact you're eating a cow. And she was so relieved. She threw her arms around me and gave me this huge mama hug. Oh. And I, and like, I got misty because it turned into what went from, I think I'm about to get robbed by a gypsy yeah. to <laughs> we're having this human moment. Um, it was really beautiful. And that is one of my favorite stories about how my uh, authority vibe uh, translated into yeah. this wonderful moment. And these types of things happen for me. And I'm just, I, it's not something I ever think about, or it, it just, it literally happens. I, I don't, you've gotten don't, used to it now. I have. And here's one other thing that happens all the time. It, this used to bother me, but now I just see it as a gift. If there is a long line anywhere, it doesn't matter for what I am the breaking point. People choose to get in front of, yes, it doesn't <laughs> matter. I could be three people back. I could be 30 people back. It doesn't matter. They break the line at me. And I'm like, what is that all else. about more Because I have had that experience every time I'm in line too. And I'm like, okay, that's the one I'm just exactly. I'm like, I'm, I don't think that I need to get upset about this, but I'm like, this is really consistent. I think I understand. Uh, you and I are very approachable and I think we have this sort of loving and supportive vibe about us. Mm, There's yeah. this sort of, at least I know for me, and I get this about you too, um, I feel like even though we may have different threads, we're kind of cut from similar cloth, right? Right, right. yeah. And I, I think we have the strength about us, but it's also very inviting. And this just this notion, like there's nothing that we haven't heard. Mm. There's nothing mm -hmm. you can do or say that is going to sort of tip us over. We seem very stable. Yeah. And from an animal point of view, you want to cut in front of the stable animal. Not the one who's going to push you would be like, hey, Right? Not, right. not in front of the territorial one, not in front of the bitchy one. Right. You want to find a stable, this is all happening at the subconscious level. Isn't it? It's kind of, it's kind of crazy, but I 100% agree with that assessment that we present in a, that in a way that we don't even realize yeah. we do and people feel safe. Just yeah. like the mama who came up and said, is it healthier? I know. I should have done it with the accent. It was the greatest moment. One of the greatest moments in my, of my uh, 10 years in LA, that moment sticks out like in the top five for yeah. sure. It yeah. was beautiful. I really enjoyed it. Yeah. Please tell me how you became the transformational leadership person that you are. And what was that journey? Because I know that that's going to be important for the person listening to this, who's like, I'm not sure I'm a leader, but you know, nobody's ever handed leadership to me. I don't remember that kind of story, but there's always a connection for the listener and they can identify, oh yeah, that's me. I get that. I see that. So I think part of leading is teaching. 
Mm. I really do. To me, there's a synonymous quality because leaders are teaching people how to rise to the occasion, how to be their best selves, how to how to arrive as a cohesive part of a team. There is a lot of teaching and direction and leadership. Right. Look, look at moms. Any mom is a leader, period, right? Yep. So I think that there's this, there's this inherent guidance aspect mm-hmm. to leadership. Like and it. I think people underestimate to a great degree their, their ability to impact people with some gentle guidance. Mm. And that to me is what makes a true leader is um, now there is a component of it. You must have authority. And the piece that, and that gets tricky for people because, you know, uh, of the um, imposter syndrome. However, when I'm working with my coaches, because I coach transformational coaches Mm -hmm. and a lot of them, the people who are finding me right now are kind of early in their transformational coaching careers. Okay. Um, Some of them started and stopped, uh, but they're, you know, they've had some clients, but the thing, and the thing that I, see in all of them is they are not in full ownership of their hero's journey. Ah. And I'm very clear in my hero's journey. I have climbed Joseph a lot Campbell. of mountains. Here we go. Yes. That's right. I've climbed a lot of mountains. That's why I'm a spiritual Sherpa that I, I was given that name by one of my clients, not me. I did not name myself that nice uh, because I've climbed enough mountains that I have the ability to guide those who are ready mm-hmm. on that inner journey. And I, I always get people there as long as they stay with me. We always get there. That's awesome. Thank you. Yeah, it is, it's fascinating to me. You use the word authority. And that I, I find again and again for women, especially, is a sticking point. Mm-hmm. That owning authority, uh, receiving authority, uh, stepping into authority, whatever it is, that word is a sticking point. Do you have any thoughts about that? Just curious, you know? Yeah, we could do an entire other podcast just around that. So let me just give you the cliff notes here. Yeah, very very cliff noted, uh, the abridged abridged version. So uh, I did work in the women's empowerment field for about 10 years. And it was all about intuitive empowerment and helping women see the power they already had. My, right. The whole purpose of my Unbreakable Woman concept, the program, it was a completely, it was absolutely self-defense. I have a, a very strong background in martial arts. So I'm like, ladies, you don't have to fight like a man to defend yourself. If you've gotten to your physical skills, you've missed all your real power. You've uh-huh. missed everything that that nature gave you to be safe in the world amongst animals again the animal kingdom seems to be a, a thread uh on this in this podcast so yeah. the funny thing was like they the, it's the lack of trust and this is something that i didn't i didn't see which is why that business was it did okay but nowhere near the success i'm having now because mm-hmm. i did not i did not understand how deep the self doubt went in women right and the reason it is because we are trained to doubt ourselves. We are trained to acquiesce. We are trained to subordinate ourselves. Right. This is in the culture, okay? So mm-hmm. this is why women in particular, and some men, oh, by the way, right. very sensitive men who have not found any footing. Uh, there's, they, you, know, you know what I'm saying? Like Absolutely. there is not a place for these wonderful, kind, tender-hearted, just like really courageous men. Like, we, our culture just does not honor the sacred male no. in that way. Right. Um, and so I, I feel like with women 
in particular, they are, we are distracted from our power because these socially dominant group, and I want to be clear about this, in our culture, the socially dominant group happens to be white male. Right. If you go to any other country, the socially dominant group changes. Now, it's typically male. In some cultures, it's female. Mm-hmm. Um, but like in, in China, unless I'm mistaken, I may be talking out of school here, but as I understand it, the Han Chinese are the dominant group and everybody kind of, they're, they're like, they're, they kind of run the show. Like people, they're, they're kind of elevated socially. Mm-hmm. Right. And in, in our culture, and it's completely relative, like it could be anything. If, if the wars had happened differently, if the land bridge never went away, right. I sincerely doubt white men would be the dominant, uh, the skin would be darker for sure. Right. For sure. Right. So like, it's very, it's very subjective and it's very relative. So this is not a ding against white men. This is calling out that in our culture at this time, the socially dominant group making the rules, white men. Right. So socially dominant groups tend to make rules that uh, suppress the power and influence of other groups so that they can maintain their dominance. This is just basic anthropology, right? Right. So the way we are taught in our culture is that we're supposed to smooth things over. And when the, the, like the greatest egregious thing we could do is be called a bitch. Um, In fact, if you, if you look at the insults, if you, if you want to know what society tells us is important, what are the top three insults that get, that get leveled to women to, um, to de- as, an, as an attempt to demolish our self-esteem? What are the top three? Your- well, one of, bossy, bitchy. <laughs> uh, what, what would be the third? I don't know, something along the same line. Okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, go, I'm gonna go a little rogue on you. I'm gonna, I'm gonna back up into the long, long, lowest common denominator. If a man wants to demolish a woman, the first thing he says is, you are a fat, oh, yeah. ugly, right. bitch. Yeah. You are all the things you are not supposed to be in this right. culture. So because our culture has us so focused on being skinny, beautiful, and compliant. Right. Of course, we have an authority problem. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And by the way, these are all made up things. And it doesn't matter. Like, it's completely relative. It's like, and, and women are getting over it quickly. There is a, there is a very big cultural shift happen. The wheels are turning slow because they are very big wheels. However, right. I, I feel very slowly um, as transgender uh, narratives mm-hmm. arise and right. pronouns and uh, hetero, heteronormity becomes less rigid. Mm-hmm. I feel like that things are changing. My daughter's generation, she's nine. I'm very excited for her generation to get into Congress. Yeah, there's yeah. gonna, the, the edges of change, you know, if we, if we consider looking out over the ocean and we see, you know, change coming, a weather front or whatever, it, it's getting closer and closer and less way out there in terms of what is on the horizon for women in yeah. particular, and then women of color, BIPOC individuals. Yes who for far too many generations have been suppressed by this 
manifest destiny of white maleness. And boy, I can go off on this for a long time, but that's not actually part of it. See, I told you we could go deep on it. Maybe we should, but let's, let's do another whole thing about that. But it's very, I want to be very clear. Like it, uh, I would say the majority of, of, of the, the socially dominant group, white, white men, the majority of them are very woke. They want to be a part of the solution. They want to be more inclusive. They see, uh, they see the potential. It's a very, it's a very minority. Now, granted, the minority is making the majority of decisions. Right. But it's a minority. So, I'd like the first thing I say into my book, my first chapter is, "This is weird. There will be no man bashing. I love men, and there are a lot of men who contribute to the empowerment of women. And yep. my soulmate is one of them. Yep. So, I think it's really important not to dismiss an entire gender. Right. Right. I think it's really important to to identify, call out, and embrace the men who are actively like going to the rallies. There was a lot of men wearing pink hats. I'm just like, this is what I'm talking about. Yeah, now it's yeah. getting there. There's a safe place for them to do that now. Absolutely. And, and I think that, you know, we talked about this before we got officially started, but the idea of the, the paradigm that this is the way our culture needs to function based on the fact that it has functioned. Yes. It's it's time to re-examine that paradigm, and and we're seeing it make a shift. But as you mentioned, at this big wheel, it takes a long time to get that flywheel. To borrow from Jim Collins, <laughs> get that moving with the momentum that it takes to to really make change happen. And yet we have tools, right? We have tools that we can rely upon to develop in our leadership to embrace the authority when it's offered us to to step forward as women and not say well that imposter syndrome well what do i have to offer well i can't really do that you know the self-limiting beliefs and things like that what what tool do you either use most for yourself or with your clients to help them grow in their understanding of their leadership role I think it depends first on the, on the person uh, because I've actually worked with men on their authority. I had one guy at a fortune 500 company who was a straight up shaman and he was in the director role. He was just such a unicorn and he was getting outmaneuvered by a woman. Oh, interesting. Who was just a total shark. And every time he would tell me about what she's doing, I'm like, she's good. You got to give it up for her. She's really good at what she's (laughs) really good. Like using NLP being very cagey. Like she was, I was really impressed. I'm like, you go girl. I don't, I don't like your methods, but I really respect them. I don't condone them, but I respect what what you're doing, what you're working with. And uh, so I had to do some shadow work with him, but with with regards specifically to my transformational coaches, because, and, and this really is, I want to call back what you just said about the flywheel moving and uh, people kind of coming into awareness, there is a critical mass that we are going to, that we are approaching. Mm-hmm. And transformational coaches are being produced and certified in, in the legions of them. And right. one of the reasons that I'm here is to make sure that the, every single one of their programs is full. Nice. Because the more coaches you and I can help, the more individuals awaken, feel worthy to receive love. And then now everything's changed in the world because that's all we need to do. Just that little thing there. (laughs) Yeah, simple, but not easy. And 
the, the tool that I use probably with the greatest degree of efficacy, because that's what matters. All I care about is that stuff works. Right. The thing that works the most is to help, this is for coaches, two, two things. Number one, for them to own their story. Mm-hmm. This is the, every single, every single transformational coach I've ever met has a mountain they've climbed. And I, I help them embrace their expertise in themselves. So first we start with that. Once you have gotten very fit in your, I am the expert of me muscle, it is a natural sort of uh, outcropping to be expert of other things. But mm-hmm. you have to start with your own story first. You, you must be able to stay in your center, no matter what about you. And once they get practiced in that, it's, it's just a smooth sort of organic unfolding of authority in the other things that they're doing, things they've been certified in, uh, their tools and practices. Now, the second piece of this, uh, once you get clear in your own story, is understanding how special coaching is. This is a thing because people, are, people who, don't, who aren't coaches will say things like, well, I can be an accountability partner and charge $3,000 for 12 weeks. Yeah, I'd like to do that. I'm like, Go ahead and start that business. Let me know how that goes. Not to be smug, but go ahead. Let me know how your results are. Yeah. The yeah. thing that coaches completely either don't identify or diminish is the following. Many people figure out how to heal, right? They go through, I, this is my metaphor, my, my analogy for it. They're able to go through the jungle with a machete and figure it out, make peace with their past, They can actually apply the self-help tools they're getting from all the places. And then they feel better. And then they do their lives. That's an individual. A transformational coach goes through the jungle with the same machete, but they're carrying a light. Mm -hmm. And they're specifically illuminating the path for others with the deliberate ability to help others. Right walk that path. Mm -hmm. And it takes very specific tools, creating a safe psychic and emotional space, Mm -hmm. very clear boundaries. If you're me, a metric ton of love, lots of love, uh, support, ability to intuitively feel where people are and respond Mm -hmm. to it. I mean, all the things and being, being, uh, being an, an expert in your own intuition, that's, that's a journey. That's why people come to me is I'm, I'm all, I'm, I'm, I work with guides. Their, their impulses are very clear to me yeah. and, and really own, I own that. And that took me a while to own and mm-hmm. recognizing this is not coming from me. I'm not this smart. There's no way I could have possibly known that this is all next level, like non-physical intervention stuff. Right. Right. And once I got clear on that and comfortable with that, now people are seeking me out because I have this. And mm-hmm. the thing is, we all have it. We all have the ability. It's just that we're not taught how to use it. And mm-hmm. certainly owning it, people will write, I don't want to sound crazy. I'm like, why? Crazy people do great things. <laughs> yeah, we can look back and say this person what was going on in their life and look at the contributions they've made this person. Yeah. It's countless, countless. Exactly. Outside of back to the word paradigm, Mm -hmm. the whatever is considered air quote, normal paradigm, then 
you are dismissed, diminished, sidelined, name the word, and, and people want to contribute, but they know that that is some of the practice when you do step forward. You might, you know, Stephen Pressfield talks about the resistance mm. in his book, The Art of Work Now, The War of, the War of Art. I was confusing oh. another, another uh, book title. In The War of Art, he talks about the resistance and we're always going to meet it and it's going to take different forms, right? And that's exactly what you're speaking to. And you learn how to be in your own skin and you learn to receive and pay attention to the information that's coming to you to be able to hold that light up. Yes, indeed. Yeah. So and I would, I would also, thank you. I would also add the following, which is when people are, when you're met with, let's just call it opposition or adversarial energy, uh, I, I'm adamant with every client, regardless if they're individuals or they're one of my coaches, that self-advocacy is the energy you want to bring to that conversation because I don't believe in pushing against resistance. Right. Because now you're adding to it, right? right. Uh, it's one of the reasons I got out of the women's empowerment business because I felt like I was shouting into the energy and I'm like, I'm in resistance to what is and I, I'm not going to have a business like that. So now we, instead of doing what, what most people do, and again, this is the difference between individuals and coaches. Yeah. Coaches know how to, or that at least in the, if, they if they don't in the beginning, then they will learn that being in a state of self-advocacy is a very different no than being in a state of rejection of another person. Yeah. And the, 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 the former, the being in the self-advocacy is, is a no from love mm -hmm. versus the other one, which is a no from rejection. Right. Which is just going to make that fire bigger. And it's also, you're not loving yourself. You're rejecting yourself as you're rejecting them. So if you can love yourself, then you're actually going to love the no for them. Mm -hmm. And it creates this beautiful flow versus this resistance and, and like, um, uh, what's the word? An entropy keeps coming to mind, but it's actually inertia. There we go. There's this yeah. inertia. And I want all of my clients to be in as much momentum and high frequency, right? right mode, uh, uh, modes of being as a dominant state. So I'm like any opportunity to pivot into flow. That's where a lot of my work yeah. goes because a lot of people don't know how to do that. Well, and I, I just love what you said. The first aspect is learning to not contain yourself, but appreciate, love, and know who you are and what you offer. And yeah. then you can offer out of love because of that awareness, because of the understanding that comes from awareness as you continue to see yourself either as a coach or a leader, depending mm -hmm. on, you know, sometimes coaches are leaders, to, you know, whatever it is that they're doing They're as you said, they've climbed the mountain with the machete, but they're holding the light behind for the people following along. That's the thing about transformational leadership to me, especially is that you're doing your work. I'm doing, you know, my work. I'm, we're doing the work and holding our hand out yes. and saying, this is an opportunity for you as well. Not prescriptively, but invitationally. And a person doesn't have to take your hand. That's, that's okay. But out of love, you're still offering it, right? 
Oh, and I think you hit the magic word, which is invitational. Invitational. And this is the heart of my program that I created specifically for transformational coaches, which is effortless enrollment. It's about inviting people into the experience of letting go of their past, of learning to love themselves, learning to be worthy. And you can help them because of your hero's journey. The whole thing is invitational. And every Every, I call it an enrollment call. I don't have prospects. I don't do closing and I don't do sales calls. I don't do any of that. I don't want it in my life. It's, I love it for other people. I don't want it for me. Mm -hmm. I want people to be clear on what the offer is. I don't make offers unless I've actually talked to somebody. Mm -hmm. I have a boutique business, man. I don't, the name of my, my business is not six figure coach. I make six figures, but I don't do it by focusing on the money. Mm -hmm. I do it by being in love with every person that wants to, uh, who's been invited and has accepted the invitation. And my enrollment calls are celebrations. I, I, that's all I get. I mean, they're so excited. I'm excited that they're ready and, and that I can actually make them the offer. They already know how much it costs. So it's really like, is this going to be a good fit? Am I the right coach for you? Are you the right fit for my program? That's all it is. And nobody, I don't think is really having, like everybody's so, I mean, I've been through a lot of coaching programs. I have a coach. I will always have a coach. Yes. Always. I always want to be coached by someone who's just a few steps or a lot of steps ahead of me. Yeah. And their sales stuff never worked for me because I'm an empath and an intuitive. I'm like, this just doesn't feel right. Like I said, I love it for other people, but not for me. And it is amazing how many other transformational coaches feel this way. They're just like, I can't get past it. I'm like, I get it. Yeah. It feels icky and it feels like kind of bait and switch and like, oh, I'm not going to tell you how much it is. You got to get on a call with me and then I'm going to try to convince you. I'm like, "Eh, I would rather have three calls in a month and have us all excited to be working together than have 20 calls a week where everybody's like, could be like thinking anything. I'm just like, I don't want to manage all of that. I'm too Uh, tired. I'm too tired. (laughs) And and honestly, you know that it's not the flow that you want to be in because there is back to using that word resistance, you know, people that are not ready are going to come up with all the reasons not rather than receiving the invitation and, and accepting it and just going with it, right? There's that alignment that you, that you are able to find in these effortless enrollment. I love the name of that. I think that that's an exciting um, offering that you've put together for people because coaches need coaches just as much as anybody else does. But the idea of being able to then turn, pivot, and invite others and build their own coaching practice. That's a a beautiful connection. So building to me has has a word that goes toward what it means to thrive. Mm. But one of my favorite, you know, the beginning question, you know, early awareness, but I love to hear what each person has as a definition of what it means to thrive because culture tells us one thing, but these conversations tell me a completely fulfilling difference yeah. away from what the culture would say. So tell me your thoughts about what it means to thrive. For me, thriving, I feel like when I started thriving was when I experienced complete acceptance of myself without judgment. Mm-hmm. And I felt completely 
empowered to be professionally, emotionally, and spiritually free in my life. Mm. Just felt loving of myself and completely free to do whatever the hell I wanted. And then it didn't matter what I did because that's who I was being. Yeah. So that for me was thriving. When I woke up one morning, I'm like, my life is amazing. I can do anything I want. And I love myself for, for that. You know what I mean? Like <sighs> loving, the, loving myself, the big S, not the small S. Mm-hmm. That was it. That's beautiful. And, and I know because you've alluded to climbing a mountain you know, in the hero's journey, that's, that's a part of it, that that was something that you arrived at. It wasn't just waking up one morning, you arrived in this place and recognized, oh, but there was a lot of work that led to that place. And, and I really want to emphasize to anybody that listens to this, there's no magic pill to take to get to a place where you love yourself. It's not like you speak affirmations over yourself 90 times a day. You must do the work and make peace with your past. Let go of the things that are holding you back and learn to lean in toward the call that's on each one of our lives. It it isn't necessarily the same call, although aspects are, right? Yeah, as, yeah. as you talked about threads, mm-hmm. you know, of the same cloth, aspects are the same call. We're to love the people that are in front of us and around us and, you know, some of those kinds of things. But until you're ready to do your work, you're not going to get to thriving. Mm-hmm. It just, it, it is not done by money, six-figure coach, right? Yeah. It, it's, it's not done by possessions. It's not done by having the right soulmate, that, that's not it either. Those are aspects, but not the, the end goal. And I love that you did that work and can love the capital S self. That's awesome. Thank you. Yeah. It was, it's funny uh, that it was, I had been through, I mean, it was a life that was for, for about 48 years, 49 years that was driven by external validation Mm. because I just didn't have the self-esteem. So everything I did, and it was very impressive. I've been told very impressive. All the things that I did, I was driven in part by external motivation uh, and validation. And once I realized that, and I made a deliberate effort to heal that, Mm -hmm. I woke up and, and realized how much I was enjoying being me. And then it didn't matter what I did or how much I had, because I was going to enjoy being me regardless. Like, that's why I always tell people we're really focused on what we do in this country. We're very transactional. Mm -hmm. um, And really anything you do is going to be colored by who you be. And if you focus on who you be, I think that's an Abraham thing. I think that's what they say. Um, If you're focused on who you be, then what you do is sort of moot. I mean, it's just like, it's going to be great if, if who you're being is great. And everything you do will be great. Right. And it doesn't and that really matter. And that, that became point. true. Yeah. No. That's, that's no. And then I just happened to be doing what I love, which is, it has been great. Yeah. And that's when you think thriving. about it, the, the being, loving the being, back to yes. what you were just saying, the doing, it will come from that. 
And so you will love what you're doing. You don't have to be a transformational coach to love what you're doing. You could be any number, I mean, in your being, when you love your being, you could be doing any number of things and love that. So it's not prescriptive. No. And, and I, I always, one of my favorite exercises is the park bench exercise. And this was told to me by my first coach and uh, for people who have lack issues around money and things like they're so afraid they're going to wind up poor. I'm like, we got to go there. So we do the park bench where they, you know, they wind up uh, losing everything, but they also don't have to pay taxes. They don't have any possessions, right? They're safe. They're safe and they're fed and they live on a park bench. And I'm like, well, who do you be? Who are you? without all of that crap and not have it, and without your worries about it because worry is like a best friend. And when people are like, I don't want to give that up. Like I, I've had that with me for my, my whole life. I'm like, yeah, yeah, okay. When you're ready, you will give it up. <laughs> if you're working with me, you will, because it's in your way. And, and the only way past you is through you, right? So yeah, Eckhart Tolle wound up. He is the one, he was living on a park bench, completely blissed out. I had forgotten that was part of his journey. Yeah. And yeah. Recognizing that the possessions and, and the accolades were really nothing. No, he was living his best life in complete bliss on this park bench. Cut to today. I love to tell that story. Yeah. 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 So thriving can look a lot of different ways. That's the the important, you know, place to land the plane for all of us that are considering, you know, what what is this that I'm doing? What meaning does it have? How is it important? What value? All those kinds of questions. It's like thriving gets to be your definition, not somebody else's definition for you. Yes. And I heard something, and I don't remember if this was Abraham or Bashar. I, I, I listened to a lot of different kind of teachers. And the, the phrase was this, the, you, you show the universe that you trust that the universe has your best interest in mind when you enjoy yourself. Mm-hmm. That shows that you trust that the universe has your back. And I'm like, that's, that's, that's right in there with thriving. Yeah. Just en- enjoying your life, no matter what it is, because it's a reflection of you. And it's, it's all happening for you, the best and highest good of you. And if you can enjoy it, even if it feels uncomfortable, that's you saying to the universe, I know you got me. I'm freaking out, but I trust you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm currently not in alignment the way that I need to be, but that's right. it will work out. Yeah. That's right. It will work out. Ah, I love it. Such good questions. Yeah. Maura, thank you so much for taking time to be a part of this conversation. It, it is uh, encouraging and inspiring to know you're doing the work that you're doing and that people are coming and being inspired and freed to be who they are so that they can be multiplying the work that you're doing. And see, to me, that's the big thing about leadership, multiplicity. We ought to be about making more leaders. Yes. Freeing people to be who they are. And, And so that was one of my favorite things in learning about what you're doing and recognizing that's the work you're doing in the world. And so we need more of us doing the work that we're doing. So thank you for building into other coaches. Because that's that's going to be empowering for the world. Well, thank you. And if uh, if it's 
I'm not sure if this is the, the, the right time to, to say this. I do have a, a, I built something to help coaches to that end. It's a free gift. Please. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Perfect. So I, uh, one of the ways that I, I help my coaches get around, get, get through their money issues because people who are sensitive often feel terrible guilt and shame around making money. Right which is very sweet and also a little bit misguided. Um, so <laughs> it's just second center energy. We all need to be on the money go round. So one of the uh, ways that I help them uh, get through this sort of, uh, I would say kind of mechanically versus, you know, as, while they're working on the emotional letting go piece is to make sure they're offering lots of value. And one of the ways that I offer value to people is uh, I, I bring them into an, uh, a 90 minute training. It's a free training. And my trainings are designed to create transformation. Like that's what my goal is in every free offering I have. I want you to feel different and be different and have the tools to sustain that transformation. That's what I want. That's my, my deliberate creation. So in this, this free offering, it does the selling for me. I talk about my program, but I never make an offer. It's, It's just for like, if you have, if you have enjoyed this work, but you feel like you need support and accountability to keep it going. Here's, here's how my program works. If you're interested, if you vibe with me, like let's have a phone call about it. Right. right. So, and here, here's this criteria that I look for. So it's not for everybody. So be just, it'll be discerning because different coaches, different folks right? right. Right. So this is a 90 minute masterclass that I've created using the actual masterclass I used to make $40,000 in one week. My goodness. Invitationally. And this is, this is free. It's free. Wow. I I go through literally slide by slide of the, the masterclass that I was teaching. And the, it is in itself a masterclass about how to build a masterclass that creates transformations that allows you to impact the people that you want to work with and then invite them for whoever is called, mm-hmm. invite them to a phone call if that seems like something that they're really excited about. And they already know the price before they get it. So it's like, you're, you're, you're just talking to the people who are interested. That's right. And the interest was built as you are teaching and modeling the development of the program. I, I love that. And the hero's journey is in that. So it's, it's my website, it's Soulful Leader, and that's just one L because everybody puts the double L, it's right. Soulful, F-U-L-E-A-D, that's right, it's a word smash, yeah. and you yeah. have it in your program notes. So yes. Soulful Leader, front slash, effortless, and it's a PDF, and actually, that's not a PDF, it is a video. It is a night, it's strap in, get a cup of tea, and get nice. ready to take some notes because it is a 90-minute masterclass, faux free, and nice. I'm so happy to offer it. Um, I love to share it. I really want, I want coaches to feel, I want them to feel excitement about these offers and excitement about enrolling the people who are ready and excited about working with them. And it's just like, I want to, I want to contribute to the love fest. I want there to be more. That's awesome. And what a generous offering too, because that's something you as a listener will be able to go over to the show notes and find the links because Maura has already sent those to me there. They will be in there when you click through and don't have to worry about remembering just one L, but if you do, that's also good. (laughs) And and again, Maura, thank you so, so much for your generous offering of your time and wisdom and encouragement and, and energy. 
It's been a great conversation with you today. Well, I really appreciate the opportunity to speak to your community. I appreciate your trust in me. And I feel honored that you, you felt I had something of value to share. So thank you for acknowledging me. It, it feels amazing. And it's such a pleasure to talk with you again. Yes, yes, so good. <laughs> we'll do it again. I would love it. Thanks so much for taking time to be with me today. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please head over to iTunes and like, subscribe, and leave a review. I know this sounds like a shameless plug, but honestly, your actions on iTunes are the best way other leaders like yourself will find this podcast. I really appreciate it. I would also love to hear your thoughts about the podcast. Let me know what you learned or what you'd like to learn next. I'd like to invite you to go to letgoleaninpodcast.com and sign up for the newsletter there. Where it says learn more, you can sign up to get a monthly newsletter that I share just the information from each of the episodes that you might not have had the opportunity to go back and check out the show notes. There'll be the highlights, the links, and other pieces of information that are pertinent to the podcast, as well as go over to Instagram and follow Let Go Lean In Podcast over there, because I am starting to use that more frequently as a way to help you as a leader get to see some encouraging graphics and have a few posts each week to encourage you in your leadership. So again, Thank you for going over to uh, Apple Podcasts and liking and subscribing and reviewing this podcast, as well as signing up for the once a month at the end of the month resource recap newsletter for Let Go Lean In Podcast. See you next time.